This is SideQuest Completed, the Hobbyist Game Dead podcast with your hosts Calvin and JC, coming to you every Wednesday with encouragement and advice on making your game a reality. I hit the button now. Please stay still. Calvin, hit the button! Stay still. It's like some kindergarten game. Red light, green light. <laughs> All right. So, SideQuest! SideQuest! Completed! I should have taken a deeper breath before I started building that out. No, you should not. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, hello and welcome to SideQuest Completed, your podcast for indie slash hobby game dev advice, encouragement, and such. I'm JC, here with my co-host Calvin. Hey, how you doing? So, yeah, I didn't realize you were bouncing over to me. I should have responded a little quicker. <laughs> You'll get we, will never, we will never get that down. Yeah. I'm sorry. It won't happen. It's like a quick time event. Exactly. Yeah. See? There it was again. <laughs> and that's when the Calvin got run over by a giant rolling rock. Sorry, Calvin. Should have played more Resident Evil 4. Dang. The per- person left in the background will be our guest, uh, returned guest, actually, Heather Flowers. How <gasps> you doing Where today? am I? Where are you? I should help you know. Oh, no. Ah, where am I? What podcast is this? There's a microphone. Hi. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not only, yeah. not, say not only returning guests, but our first returning guest. So that's oh, cool. That's fun. I'm glad that y'all like me that much. Yeah, All clearly right. you're the best one. Nobody else made the cut. Nope. <laughs> it's true. I'm the best person on the planet. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I see. I didn't have to add to the, to the ego. Okay. I thought <laughs> you, I'll, I'll, I'll just refrain then. You've got enough. Yeah. Now I want to make a game called Best Person on the Planet. Yeah. All right. So um, let's open up right quick. How's everyone doing today? It's been an eventful May, to put it lightly. Uh, yeah. 2020 gift that keeps on taking and giving at the same time. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I know up in here, we're up in New York, and thankfully our corner, corner of New York has been relatively quiet, aside from the ice cream vans that run constantly. Uh, other than that, pretty eventful for me personally. Work's been steady. That's good. It's been pretty quiet here in Durham, but Raleigh has uh, gotten a little a little um, hectic the last couple nights. A few newspapers got their windows smashed through, and... Wow. Uh, the mm-hmm. bit of a mess down there. It's not too far from us. Yeah. Yeah, Heather, how about you? Uh, things have been relatively quiet and. <laughs> but you know, overall, like, yeah. I think we're all just trying to do our best. Yeah. Was that intentional, <laughs> like sudden loud noise or? Yeah, audio? yeah. Um, okay. I do not want anybody to live ever. <laughs> Understand. There are like three people on the planet who know my location. Yeah. You're like uh, Dave from the Story, Story Studio podcast I listen to. Oh, he, lives, he lives in redacted Florida. Yeah. Oh, I love that place. I drove through there once on the way to Orlando. I thought I did, yeah, but yeah. when I looked back, I was missing from my GPS. Mm-hmm. I, one time yeah. I tried to go to redacted, but I ended up going to blank. And it's very right. difficult to type both of them. Yeah. So it was, it was poor, that one guy who made license plates say null. And it's been <laughs> parking ticket hell ever since. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, um, we are in Pop Hats to talk about the nitty gritty, the daily grind of game development, what we do mm-hmm. every day, every week to make our game dreams come true. 
this is going to be interesting time to talk about this as is everything right now because we could definitely if we did this episode last year or if we do it a year from now it will be entirely different Mm. oh yeah not just because of how lives normally change but just because odd times but there's also a good time to do it because everybody is tackling those same how do i do these normal things things that were normal for me how do i do them now and what things Mm -hmm. can i keep and what things can i learn from this maybe i can keep with my workflow afterwards yeah yeah after all, if you if you're doing game dev as a source of income, it's still very important to you personally. If proof mm-hmm. a reasonable time to take a break, if it's something you're doing on the side, need to focus on mm-hmm. helping others. But not everyone has that option. Um, I, I did want to ask because I just I don't know this. Um, so for context with the conversation, Heather, mm-hmm. are you uh, a game developer on the side, or is there a day job you have aside from that? I know that you I think do a lot more work than Jesse and I, but I don't know if it's a full time job for you. Yeah, um, game development is a full job for me. Okay. Um, I do 40-hour weeks. Um, the current project, Extreme Meat Punks Forever, and then I do side projects on the side when I have the t- haven't had too much time recently. Just my energy is down the toilet for some reason. Who knows why? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I feel like I've actually gotten into a halfway decent routine just because, I don't know, I, I, I am neurodivergent. Um, that's something that I haven't really talked much about, but... Uh, something that's very important to me is that if I don't have a good routine, then I'm basically useless. And so for a month after the lockdown started, I was just completely out of it. I was trying my best. I was getting like maybe an hour of work and it took a while for me to build up a new routine that works within the new world that we live in. And we'll see whether that routine will still be working in weeks or a month or a year. Right now, mm-hmm. it's getting me through. One, I'm glad that you have a very different perspective than JC and I on this as far as the, the, mm-hmm. the workflow and time spent on the game dev side. I like for having very different uh, directions that we come from. So mm-hmm. that's great because we can compare notes. And also to remind everybody, we are not working from home. Even if you already work from home, we are working during a pandemic while we are stuck at home. And that is a very different thing. Mm. Yeah. It's important to keep that distinction in mind. Um, you know, there's a lot of work from home tips and techniques and strategies that have worked for people. That is not the situation we're in. And so it's likely you're going to find and need different strategies and different coping mechanisms, and different patterns. And that's yeah, going to be, I'm guessing, a big part of the conversation today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. yeah I know the times when I've been working from home, actually working from home, I can always retreat to a coffee shop if I needed a break, step away mm-hmm. or otherwise do something other to mess up my routine and not be in the house for sometimes literally 24, 72 hour stretches. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to other people dealing with kids at home that weren't otherwise there during their work day. Yeah. I'm just amazed. I'm so glad my girlfriend and I have as well established relationship before now that we got a lot of the <laughs> stuff that would have been discord out of our systems in the first couple of years. Um, yeah. because we probably would have like killed each other by now. Otherwise, well, she would have taken me out. It's, it would have been pretty one sided, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. You also pretty recently um, got got your own place without roommates, right? So you would have, if yeah. this happened pretty not that long ago, you would have had an even even different situation as far as trying to carve out space and in your yeah. home. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm very much an introvert myself, and I am not getting my alone time, like my alone alone time, as mm-hmm. in no one else in the house time, which is important for me. I haven't broken yet, but it's, we got Kevin Fever. So, uh, did you work from home before this, Heather? Um, or, or is that a change? Or, um, you know, what was your situation before? I partly worked for, um, 
I mean, I don't exactly have an office space, um, but like sometimes I would go to, um, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, it was a good thing because it allowed me to get out of the house, shift up perspective, all that artist crap. But now without that, I've sort of had to resort to other means of spaces, like mental spaces that where I can still keep some semblance of work hygiene without like actually being. In right, it. right. I did a similar thing for my job too, was just. I normally dress in a dress shirt and either decent to good pants just as part of presentation because you never know when someone would pop in and you want to look good for. Yeah. And I kept that up for much of the quarantine to date and up until very recently, actually. Then only because when I was really tired of ironing shirts, I was only going to wear in my house. And two, it was just too warm for my nice wardrobe. I took such a different direction in this. <laughs> I recently bought a virtual green screen program just so that I don't have to clean up my office for <laughs> work calls. Like, I, I take advantage of, of how much more downplay i can i can put my my uh, preparation for the day and i'm not ashamed of that at all deeply chaotic this is very sensible everyone is learning a lot more about other people's bedrooms and kitchens and houses than they ever expected to or wanted to really yeah yeah but it's like uh get into some of that nitty-gritty Heather, what does your average work day look like um i wake up around 10 usually um one of the nice things being self-employed like i'm 100 is that like i don't really have to set an alarm which is good because not getting enough sleep fucking kills so i am very happy and like i'm immediately very jealous yeah um i get up whenever it is time to get up uh usually around 10 i work out in the morning you know like get ready for the day usually get to work at around 11 30 go to the corner of my apartment which is designated the working corner Ooh, yeah. Yeah, and then work in usually around like seven or eight, we call it a day. Yeah, very simple. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very basic routine. Um, I've been trying to build up the complexity of his. Like if I start like, I'm going to do 20 things today and they're all completely new. I'm just going to burn myself <laughs> out. So like I got to I gotta start slow. I started with work and then I added in exercise and I've added in having a cat. Um, we got a cat Aww. yesterday. She's adorable. Kitty. Uh, yeah, and that's, I think uh, I think the term, if I remember correctly, is micro habits. Yeah, there's a book about that recently and before, where they argue that the best way to make these kind of changes is one small change at a time, and the cumulative mm-hmm. effect is very powerful. Yeah, because trying to do everything at once is like when people do New Year's resol- New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. and decide to change fifty things at once. None of that sticks, precisely because it's way too much change in the brain at one time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so I try to do similar things in terms of, like, most recently, I need to modify my diet for health reasons, mm. and try not to change every single thing at once. First of all, I need my coffee. <laughs> I can't just cut the coffee out entirely right away. I will break. So other things are changing in terms of, like, dinner and such, but changing part of the menu each time mm. until it's all familiar. So was it like change blindness is another thing, another phenomenon where we yeah. tend not to notice things as small changes in our environment because we yeah. brain just compresses it. Change blindness? Change blindness. Oh, nose blindness. One, one or the other, yeah. But if you can also... There's a lot of similar... I mean, your brain has all these patterns of the, the little bits of stuff it'll just ignore. Okay. Um, but I, I think sometimes that can also work against small changes for me um, because if it's too small, it's very easy to overlook or forget. Um, but I, I can never really find the right balance, but I have noticed 
that if I if I try to make iterative tiny changes in my workflow or my day, if I don't disrupt something else in my day, then I'm going to overlook or neglect the change I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Are you? Do you ever run into that problem with making your changes smaller, or is that something that, that doesn't happen to you, or something you found a way around? That's an interesting. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely not batting a hundred or batting a thousand on every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Uh, I think a lot of it comes to not whether you do it every single day without fail. It's whether you consistently until it becomes it. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be every day. Like if you miss a day of working out or if you miss it eating healthy, you can still eat healthy the next day. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like guilt is this sort of thing that we ascribe to new routines. Um, Like we think to ourselves, oh, I should be doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. I should be working out. I should be eating a salad instead of this delicious. Mm. But if we give those routines the feeling of guilt and we primarily associate those with guilt, we are going to subconsciously push ourselves away from them exactly because we're basically saying when i think about this thing the primary thing that i do is feel bad so i'm going to stop thinking about it which is a perfectly understandable response yeah oh yeah that's definitely deeply true of many things that i try to try to change or try to do and turning your your thinking around and thinking about it on mentally healthier terms can be itself difficult work and itself a different habit to try to build up because that guilt you feel is you know another habit that's pretty deeply ingrained and it takes some work to unseat that mm-hmm. yeah and it also depends on the task too salad is a good example because it can take a while for you to feel the effects of the salad or to not feel the negative effects of junk food. It can be hard for your brain to make that connection. Something that exercise is a little bit easier because even if you feel super sore right afterwards, you're gonna be feeling much better endorphins there in less than an hour afterwards, maybe even 15, 30 minutes, depending on how hard you worked out. So Mm -hmm. one big trick there is like, um, was it gain the gold gold star in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. that positive reinforcement, and it works on us. (laughs) So one thing that helps is like, give yourself these positive reinforcements so you develop this immediate positive reaction. I know when I was first getting into Pomodoros, or was using them not long ago to get back into stuff, I would actually give myself a Tic Tac every time I finished a Pomodoro, because that was a tiniest amount of sugar and flavor while still being effective little well, dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot to reinforce the Pomodoros as a thing to look forward to, because I knew that I was going to get a Tic Tac later. And I haven't, I still doing Pomodoros, but I haven't had Tic Tac in forever, because the, uh, the positive association is still there. You know, it has a similar thing with uh, Dalio, D-A-Y-L-I-O. It's an app for tracking your moods and associating them with certain activities. And it'll actually track streaks. For example, your how many days you've been working in a row on your game, how many days you've done your morning pages or exercised. And that streak can, some people, be very powerful. One trick that I have employed with things like well, also explicitly with Pomodoro, but also with other things, is taking a goal like, instead of my goal is to do, for example, four Pomodoros of, of work on something I don't want to do. You know, maybe that's housework and yard work, you know, cleaning up and working on something that's not really fun. Instead of a goal for that, I think of it as, and, and write it down as a limit. Don't do more than four. Hmm. So that 
hitting the end of it, the reward I get is that I'm done. And I, I don't I, I tell myself, OK, you're not allowed to clean anymore today because you got enough done. Yeah. And that different mental shift in it helps a lot because I'm not looking at it as I'm making myself do this thing I don't want to do. I'm thinking of I'm tricking myself whenever I get to the end. I don't have to do it anymore. Mm, yeah. And just the different thinking, the different mental perspective can make a big difference between for, for how how my brain approaches doing it. And then I also don't need a different external reward, which doesn't always work for me because I'll just cheat and give it to myself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm just changing the words and it makes a big difference. Yeah. Nice. Um, so Heather, what is some of your, those eight hours your working day mm-hmm. goes into those eight hours? Um, it depends on the day. Um, this past week, I've been doing a lot of UI work. Well, UI and UX. Both, uh, just like making sure that all of the dialogue systems at Meat Punk's play very well, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, like adding in a fast forward function, adding in a text log, making sure that both work in ways that are both intuitive and forgiving, like making nice animations for all of it. <laughs> Uh, stuff like that. But it really depends on what's necessary that week. Um, next week, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of writing just because I've fallen slightly behind on that because I've been doing a lot of UI stuff. And stuff. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we'll be finishing another episode of writing within the next week. Moving on to the next thing. The similar story for me. It's been quite a few weeks just adding animations to one route mm. and making some edits to the code and such along the way. No, I'm only doing the one Pomodoro a day right now. So Pretty small, but it's mm-hmm. steady work. It's been unbroken chain for quite a while. And that's yeah. gotten me to some really hard spots. So just knowing I have to sit down, put on the overalls, bring to mind Stephen King's his muse, which is like a little blue demon guy in overalls, as opposed to a beautiful fairy or something. And <laughs> sit there and do that work. That's such a huge difference. I kind of steady work. I place a, val- a lot of value in that kind of persistence. I am so very tempted to ask about your particular tools, what's the minutiae about it. Yeah, sure. But I really want to emphasize how much... It comes down to the daily work, the consistent work, mm-hmm. um, steady work, more far more so than any particular tool. Yeah. Case in point, you're using, uh, I think, Unity pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I'm using RunPy for my thing. Calvin's using uh, Python, PursuitPy Bear. It depends. It depends on the week what I'm using sometimes, but yeah. Other people done stuff in Twine, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the tool doesn't matter any more than type of pen or paper you use for writing versus typewriter versus wordpress doesn't matter what you're using there's so much as the work itself so i guess like how do you decide what you work on for a given day um what goes into making that decision it depends on a few different things if something is on fire then i'll deal with it first like um if we need to make it like a decision about um, like marketing or something and we need to do it by next week i'll try and get that done as soon as possible but if there isn't anything like that then i will either focus primarily on content creation or content polishing Um, I think a lot of game development comes down to those two things like either I'm writing something or I'm programming something or I'm making a new scene or something or I'm going back through old things and like making sure that they fit well with the rest of the experience yeah let's say in writing the only Mm -hmm. you can't edit a novel we haven't already written yeah you can't publish a novel we haven't already edited so getting that content out there is so important Mm -hmm. especially because it's the best way to push through emotional barriers and other blockers is to get that word out there get out of your head yeah and then you can process it well in the light versus the darkness of your recesses of your mind i'm also curious about your actual like minutia of the day-to-day like you mentioned unity was that actual like the small part of the work look like the detail part look like 
Well, well, last week we had uh, this. This might tie into our topic from last week, which was mm, yeah. code versus content. We were talking about the balance between both in design and implementation. Um, you know, working on the the technical implementation versus the content creation within that that's on top of that technology. So maybe that's part of it. Like, you know, how much time are you spending in Unity? You know, coding and doing technical things versus the more artistic or writing side of filling mm -hmm. out the content. Uh, you know, do you get all that technology up done, done up front and almost exclusively do content later, or is it more of a back and forth mix over time? I don't think there's a two. I feel mm -hmm. like in a sense programming is its own kind of art like when i'm programming it's to put together an experience that i couldn't do through writing or art or anything like that mm. why weren't you here for the conversation last week <laughs> we could have got it for two hours instead of one. <laughs> oh, you were saying yeah yeah um i, I was just saying like uh, a lot of the uh, like 95 percent, i would say of the bones of the project are done like, mm. we have all of the code, we have all of the combat stuff. And, like, things still need to be refined, but they're there. Aside from, like, a couple one-off scenes, I'm pretty sure, like, I have the tool, uh, like, I could probably get through the rest of the game without code. Ooh, probably nice. not going to happen because, like, there's a lot more polish to be done, but you get the idea. Like, the bones mm. are there. But there is so much of programming that's beyond the bones. It's making things happen on screen. It's, like, making characters move in a certain way. It's programming AIs. It's lots of stuff like that. Um, it's almost a theater production. Exactly. I like mm -hmm. that metaphor a lot. Um, yeah. If anything, it's barely a metaphor. I mean, once you start adding <laughs> motion capture, it is a theater performance. Yeah, I actually call um, the part of writing dialogue where you like like writing visual uh, visual novel dialogue where you make all the characters do their expressions yes. i call that choreography because it is choreography it is yeah so that's, that's that's what i've been doing for the last few weeks and so i'm extra excited about it it's mm. entirely too much fun like getting pixel or purple squirrel character looking who looks like a fox um up on screen getting all bouncy around and moving your head down so all you can see is her little eyes poking out in her little ears like nana and it's nice. too cute. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, way too much fun with that. Okay, I was going to say, I'm actually getting to use my animation major. Oh, nice. And you were going to say? I was just going to say, I like doing it because it adds a lot more texture to the writing. Oh, yeah. Um, like, the same line repeated twice can be so different depending on the, like, sprite that you use. Oh, yeah. I've had so much fun just using the happy expression mm. where you wouldn't expect it because it makes <laughs> it so much more poignant when you know she's holding it in. Yeah, I love doing that. Yes. So, yeah. My favorite thing to do as a writer is hurt people. And that is a prime <laughs> way to hurt people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Characters or readers? Readers. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep. <laughs> but also, and, uh, somehow I don't I don't know why, but whenever, if, if the goal is hurting the, the real people versus the fake ones, somehow that's better. I don't know <laughs> why or what that says. Well, the characters don't deserve it. but I... Yeah, I try not to be a sadist to my own character. More than they deserve. More than they deserve, yeah. No, that was good. How do you decide when it's time to switch from content work, well, I should say story scripting work, non-code work, to adding features? Was, I guess feature versus content is the distinction we were making, Calvin and I, earlier. Do you have any guiding principles or instincts, feelings you go about when it comes to that? I'm going to say something that sounds completely fucking, just absolutely <laughs> unhinged, just... Uh. Complete nonsense. I start at the start of the game and work to the end. It's weird how foreign of a concept that is. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I find that that seems 
Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of reasons why that feels odd. Not not that it's a bad idea, but because why that that's usually how I would approach it, which is um, early in a game, the the feel and the um, it's hard to get the balance of the game from the beginning, I guess, because there's so much you have maybe not introduced over time, usually, um, which is why I might typically start like somewhere in the middle. Uh, so how do you, does approaching from the beginning, like what, is, what payout does that give you that, that you're finding? Well, uh, well, first, I do want to clarify that, like, I do mm. go back to old scenes and like sure. update them. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not just, okay, episode one is completely done. I'm not going to touch it until the game is out. <laughs> that would be terrifying. Um, but what I do mean is that, like, I tend to focus on the start and then make my way through to the end, um, mm-hmm. especially with writing. Like, I started in scene one, then scene two, scene three, scene four, scene five, episode two, one, two, three, four, five, episode three, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the reason for this is actually something that I'm pretty happy with. It's Ooh. very improvisational. Mm. Um, like, yeah. obviously, I have a gigantic document that has, like, lists of what happens in every scene. But at any point, I can jump back to an earlier scene, grab something, and bring it back. And that makes me seem really smart. Um, But it's just me trying to follow the chain of cause and effect over time. Like, if this character said this thing to this person, um, maybe they'll bring it back in a couple episodes. And then maybe players will be like, oh, shit, they remembered. Um, And it also allows for um, something that I, I personally find very fun, which is letting like setting things down like putting things Mm. into the plot and not knowing what's going to happen with them all your checkouts guns yeah yeah like i have so many of those um well in your case a checkout's son (laughs) not a daughter like in the sky yeah supposed to be in the sky (laughs) so i'm i'm I'm, to put this into context um your episodes are those just breaking up the, the the story or are they actually separate releases um that's something that i'm not at liberty to say right now okay like well (laughs) okay well you may or may not have a good response to this then which i was gonna say (laughs) this has come up a few times in previous episodes jc and i've talked about the different the the balance of strategies between uh taking a larger game and breaking it up so that you can have that sense of you know i finished this and getting out the door for whenever people have trouble doing that uh and i think one of the um the drawbacks or at least differences that we did discuss when that's come up is how that means releasing a piece of something. If you're breaking it up into smaller parts does mean you're done with that sooner. So that, you know, that forces that linear um, approach, but also means you have to be done and not go back to that sooner. So there's a, there's a really strong trade off there uh, with working linearly. Um, and we've, we've, I was just going to say that we've talked about that uh, in a, that particular context before. Um, I can't talk about the specifics of season two's release schedule at present, mm-hmm. um, just because we're not fully ready to talk about that stuff yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can talk about is season one's release schedule. Yeah. Um, which was, um, as you may remember, um, you specific, the listener, do you remember? I remember. Why don't you? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was once every two weeks um, for a couple months and then a decently long pause of, of like a month or so. And then the finale came out um, and it was somewhat mixed in our success. I think um, it was really exciting seeing people react to episodes as they happen and watch them 
like experience it over time basically because after mm-hmm. each episode came out people would tweet about it like oh shit this new episode of meat punks they're fighting the the fascists they're, they're still doing it oh yeah. wow they're they're doing it still huh um <laughs> but yeah like it did kind of give us the challenge sometimes where people would not want to play the go- in the game at all until it was fully released yeah. Which is totally understandable. Like, mm-hmm. I understand the lack of trust of, like, I'm not sure if this game is actually going to ever fully exist. It's like your own George R. R. Martin moment. Yeah. And, like, I do think it turned out well. In- yeah. It makes me think of of uh, the pattern, the way the webcomics are published, which yeah. are much, much different from traditionally paper-published comics, in that they become these long, sprawling, you know, some of these have been going on for a decade plus, and there is no 20 plus finish. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is no finish. There is just this this interwoven arcs. Sometimes they stop and new ones start, and then other things come back. And I, I wonder about the possibility of doing that with a game where there's not that sense of when does this end, or you know, what is the final piece of this? It's you know a a um, container within which these stories exist. And yeah. um, but I also would see that. The, you know, but that depends on the, the story and the way that the beginning is framed and, and, and all. But um, I could definitely see a lot of um, comparison there uh, with how those released. To be clear, Punks definitely does have an ending. Um, like we have a plan for a specific number of seasons. And after that point, the game is done. Well, that's what they said about Supernatural, too. But, you know, we're still waiting. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not a coward. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sick burn. How could you say something so controversial and yet so brave? <laughs> Exactly. Oh, I, I was just going to circle back to the webcomic discussion. I definitely mm-hmm. do take a lot of inspiration from webcomics. Um, I was huge into webcomics as a teenager, and I've kind of kept up oh, with yeah. them ever since. I need to get back into Freefall. Oh, my God. It's good still. Yeah, wow. I can't believe it. It's been good for like 20 years. It, okay, that's a lie. It's been decent for 20 years, but it's yeah. been consistent for 20 years, too, which yeah. is ridiculous. I know one of my favorite podcasts is Writing Excuses. And one of the hosts is guy behind Schlock Mercenary, oh, who's dang. been doing that forever. Mm. There are game devs younger than that comic. <laughs> yeah. God. But I was going to say, um, the episodic thing is interesting, just because yeah. there's going to be some people you're not going to get until... Some people you aren't going to get because it's right there, and they can enjoy the episodic part. Other people you won't get until it's all there. So if anything, you might reach more of an audience. Actually, and that reminds me of a recent thing. So many people seeing spoilers for the ending to season four of Shira the mm. same day the season came out. Yeah. Like I couldn't participate in discussions at all because so many people were watching it so quickly. There's one thing yeah. that's frustrating about the Netflix model of here's a giant dump. It mm-hmm. makes it hard mm-hmm. to get that social part. Yeah. Which in turn makes people who would otherwise not even realize it was a thing. Yeah. Get at least be aware of it and then ready to play it when it does come out as a full package. It's it's a trade off. You you have that problem, but you also don't have the problem of missing the train. You know where oh, yeah. the the episodes are already aired, or the way they do things. Even just like on Hulu, sometimes where they have like that rolling window for new shows. Yeah. Where so it's you're going to have people miss out one way or the other. It's just missing out on a different end. So I guess it's always like question of what do you particular game dev listening want to do for your game. Not everyone right. is conducive to an episodic release the same way. Yeah other stuff is At the same time early access releases i know um risky rain 2 game here that mm-hmm. i both love it's a good is game. yeah and it's not episodic release but it is periodic updates it's getting more and more 
content in sort of like a horizontal build instead of the vertical timeline additions. Yeah. Gets more depth with this release. And I'm very much looking forward to playing it again when a new character comes out, even though I got played way too many hours on the existing characters. And I don't mind that there aren't the characters aren't all there yet. Who do you mean by the way? That that prevalent model is is really interesting and strange. There are games that I backed on Kickstarter or bought over five years ago that I'm recently getting into saying, okay, is it ready oh, yet yeah. to enjoy? <laughs> like, you know, I'll, I'll hop back in every couple of years to see what has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just such a, a different way to experience a game than uh, ever had in the past. Um, yeah. Not in a bad way. Like, It's interesting to be able to go back and revisit something with, with more to it. Not just here's DLC or a sequel, but go back with almost a different experience of the same game because even the beginning will be different. Yeah, mm-hmm. remember, if for, if Fortnite can still be in beta or release, your <laughs> game can stay in beta or release, definitely. Is it do they, is it technically a beta? Is it, it's a Gmail thing, isn't it? Like Gmail better not be in beta. It's more like Omega right now. <laughs> well, I, if they're not, they I know they kept the beta tag on it for like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you can have your 15-year-old beta game. That's fine. So, you know, I will recognize we are way off tangent for the daily <laughs> workflow topic. And I'm not bringing that up as a um, as a problem or saying, hey, let's get back on track. I was actually going to say, let's lean into it. Is there any yeah. completely random thing either of you would like to talk about before we wrap up? I would like to bring up a petition to change Donkey Kong's name to Monkey Kong. Though isn't he an ape? Well, we can't change him to Ape Kong. Yeah. Donkey That's not. wrong. That's morally wrong. Ape Kong. Yeah, that's not correct. That's That would be yeah. a bad thing. What about Horse Kong? What? No. I don't, no, I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> you come, remember to come the side quest completed for your Deep Kong lore. I hope to never have to hear... I'm sorry... I'm sorry, Calvin, you're going to hear that over and over in editing. I said that as if he's like, I cut that right out the first time he hears it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anything else you want to cover on topic? Uh, think about it. Oh, there was you mentioned improv. Um, it's a wonderful book, but improv, one of my favorites, called Impro um, by Keith Johnstone. A little hard to find, physical copy. Um, but if you can get a hold of it, please do, because it's such incredible... It's all about the practical parts of improv and stage acting. So much useful stuff for game devs there, especially people working with stories who are still creating those stories. And I'll make sure to um, get a a link to that and anything else that um, that we brought up that we can share into the, the show notes. So usually uh, we make sure to include um, a little tidbit about like what we've been playing, reading, or watching in the last week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't really been watching. I've been listening to the Magnus Archives, which is a good podcast. Ooh, uh, which one? Uh, the Magnus Archives. Oh, it's nice. like Eldritch Horror. It's really well Ooh. done. Oh, that sounds interesting. I know. Right, most I... of my day is like working out, cooking, and working. <laughs> yeah, that sounds very familiar. It's basic, but it works. Yeah. I'm very glad to report that I've been making a steady Pomodoros every single day. So that's seven more Pomodoros. Yay! And that's been really good for me, actually, doing the Pomodoros. It's helped me push through some otherwise stressful, um, agonizing, I don't want to say agonizing, but worry, just 
executive function challenging work and actually got it done bite by bite, bite by bite. So very much old, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time thing. It's got me made a lot of progress on one in particular, Pixels. It's so much better looking now after all the new animation. I can't wait to wrap that one up. So wish me luck on that. Since you, you seem to be have a lot of specifics you can't get into with uh, with beat punks right now. So just as a potential prompt, you did say that sometimes you have some side projects. Um, are those something you can talk about if you've been doing any of those? Yeah, sure. I've been working on a um, rhythm game called Dance Dance Direct Action. <laughs> I love um, it. I'm still figuring it out. Um, technically, it should have been done a month ago, but I am trying to take my time with it as I like do it justice. Yeah, that was for my Patreon. Um, basically, people suggest game names, and then I have to make a name with that uh, a game with that name. Um, yeah. so somebody suggested Dance Dance Direct Action, and I am doing my darndest to make it happen. All right. Well, that will be that'll be fun to see whenever whenever you get ready to share. Yeah. Cool. Which I like- am on your Patreon because I I joined up during our last recording, so oh, I should be great. able to get all of that game. Nice. So that makes both of us run that for a while. I look forward to your suggestions, Calvin, to for future game titles. Yeah, I don't really go on and like follow up on the Patreons that I've that I've uh, joined. I mostly, you know, I, I I joined to support, and then I just kind of don't look at them. But wow, if I can make people do stuff, I'm gonna check that out. <laughs> that sounds pretty nice. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, so I guess like anything else we want to touch on before we wrap up? I've got nothing that? here. No, I think I'm pretty good. Black Lives Matter, all cops are yeah. bastards, down with the so, state. The usual, yeah. Especially so this week, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Hey listeners, this is Calvin inserting a message for the time this episode goes up. SideQuest Completed wants to reiterate that, yes, Black Lives Matter and all cops are bastards. We also want to direct anyone looking to support the cause in the context of this podcast to blackgamedevs.com, the bundle for racial justice and equality, and the Black Lives Matter support bundle all of which you can find links to in the show notes. If you join a protest, do so safely, and thank you for your service. Thank you for listening to the SideQuest Completed podcast. If you aren't subscribed, find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or at our website, sidequestcompleted.com, where you can find all our episodes and an invite link to our new Discord server.